Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's February 28th, 1939. And another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by... Aria, Rebecca, and Ali. The Retrospectors. Let's take ourselves back to this day in 1939 and inhabit the personage of one of the editors of Webster's New International Dictionary, brackets, second edition. Easy enough to do. Okay, so you turn up to work as usual and you sit down at your assigned desk and go to the task of checking the D's section. And suddenly you spot something suspicious. There, wedged between Dorcopsis, a type of small kangaroo, and Dore Furnace, a gold refiner, is Dord. A bit concerned, you go looking for the origins of this word Dord and you quickly discover that you've found a ghost word. <laughs> this is like the worst scary story of all time, Marion. <laughs> this is choose your own adventure <laughs> yeah. in the persona of a dictionary editor in 1939. <laughs> and it doesn't get any sexier. <laughs> I actually discovered that the word Dord is a real word. Mm. It's a type of Bronze Age Irish horn, oh, but it's no not way. clear if editors back in 1931 were aware of that. And that's certainly not why it had been included in this dictionary. And so this mistake had arisen from a note submitted by the dictionary's chemistry editor, Austin M. Patterson, and he wanted this new second edition to add density to the list of things that the letter D could stand for. And so he has submitted this in a note where he wrote capital D or lowercase d, density. However, because they use single spacing between each letter at the top of the note, he had basically written the word Dord if you looked at it a certain way. Yes, but there is an etymologist and a final reader and a proofreader <laughs> who work for Webster's who are supposed to look at these things before they get submitted in what was actually the largest book to ever be mass-produced with 250 yeah. editors and consultants. And somehow this slipped through the net multiple times. It's not that obscure, is it? Like... You know, de or de, that's what it means. So, like, it could equally be s or s or t or t. I mean, you'd yeah. think, actually, it would be a really basic one for them to have spotted. It's extraordinary that it managed to fall through. And you can see, because the card obviously became a very valuable piece of memorabilia, you know, this card that Patterson had scribbled d or d on. You can see that when they were revising the dictionary later, someone had scribbled on the top right corner, plate change, imperative, urgent. Yeah. <laughs> In the world of dictionary compilers, this is the most seismic thing that can possibly happen. A ghost word has made it into our publication. Just to give some sense of the urgency in the dictionary world, this error was flagged on this day in 1939, whereas the last <laughs> copies to contain Dord as a legitimate word, found on page 771, were printed in 1947. <laughs> Imagine they hadn't marked it as urgent. <laughs> We'd still be Dording it up. Well, I wondered whether the fact that we are discussing it now means that it should, in fact, now be included in modern dictionaries, whether it has become a word because it's emblematic of a ghost word, or at least as a kind of Easter egg joke for librarians, you know, like, let's just keep right. put Dord in there to keep the tradition going. Um, so yeah. I checked out my Collins Concise, and uh, no, go straight from Dorchester to Dordoin. 
No fun in Collins. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a shame that it's such a niche word because there was no chance for it to catch on, you know, even mm. as a joke. If you yeah. think about, like, you know, how the Simpsons coined embiggens and yes. cromulent famously, and people use those now. Mm. It's kind of, you can't really do it with an abbreviation for density. It doesn't no. come up in conversations often. Well, you can't, <laughs> but I mean, presumably there's like some academic chemist somewhere that has a riotous lecture with the word dawn <laughs> yeah. at some point in every academic year. <laughs> it's also such a pleasing word. Dawn should mean something you know well it does it's that bronze age horn arian you need to start bringing that up more often okay noun <laughs> forgotten bronze age horn <laughs> why aren't you using that every day <laughs> well it's also interesting how the term ghost word came about because that was coined uh, and originally presented in public by professor walter william skeet in his annual address as president of the philological society in 1886 he pointed out that the word abacot which didn't exist but was defined by the webster's dictionary as the cap of state formerly used by english kings wrought into the figure of two crowns and actually this word had come about by the blunders of other printers or scribes, presumably, who had actually been aiming for the word bicocket uh, and had incorporated a proceeding indefinite article getting us to abacot with a bit of messing up in between. But I suppose he was pointing to the fact that there are these things that come into our language and some of them linger on and those things he gave the term ghost word. But he was particular about the point that it shouldn't mean anything at the point of its genesis. Yeah, and one example he gave us from a Walter Scott novel called The Monastery, in which the word morse had been mistakenly printed where it was supposed to say nurse. It was to do with something you're nursing a grudge. But funnily enough, by the time he pointed this out, etymologists had already submitted their own explanations of this word morse mm. and exactly what it meant. So, you know, it just goes to show that even if there is no meaning, people will supply one of their own. Well, you know what else isn't exactly a ghost word but has ghost letters mm-hmm. in it? Ghost. The word ghost. <laughs> The H in ghost. Less scary, but I thought you were going to say gravy. That was one of the ones that came up on my list. Apparently it comes from misreading of the French word granet, which oh, means wow. a stew or a sauce. And it was just mistrend. They just yeah. stuck, a, stuck a random V in there. Well, yeah, there was no recourse, was there, back then? I mean, like we were saying, it was a slow ship to turn around to get the dictionary changed. The H in ghost was added by Flemish typesetters in the 15th century, <laughs> working for the English printer William Caxton, because in their language it was geest, G-H-E-E-S-T, I presume. Hmm. And so when they saw the English word ghost, G-O-S-T, they just thought, that looks wrong. Yeah. It's obviously got an H in it. <laughs> we'll fix that for you. <laughs> but it doesn't. That's why it's a silent H. It's from Flemish. But it isn't. <laughs> and one example that I find really interesting is one where it wasn't anything to do with a misprint or mistranscription. This is all psychological. The word tweed apparently comes from the word twill, which is just a Scottish accent saying the word twill. But people subconsciously mm. confused it with the River Tweed, which runs through Scotland. So they just started calling the material Tweed. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, so that's interesting. I mean, that definitely is Tweed yeah. now, isn't it? There's no, you need a new word for that if you suddenly said it can't be called Tweed right. anymore. I mean, that, that thing that you mentioned about people making up fake etymologies or backstories is a curious ongoing business. For example, there's a popular etymology of the word pumpernickel bread <laughs> that suggests that Napoleon Bonaparte had allegedly described uh, a particular type of bread as se pan pour Nicole. He was saying that this is 
bread that is only good enough for my horse, Nicole. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so someone went to the trouble of coming up with this story that is absolute nonsense, but put a sort of meaning to it. Same with OK. There's a million different stories for the origin of the word oh, OK. Oh, don't get started on that. That's a new episode. Right, okay. yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. do that another time. But, but there is this sort of whether through attempts to come to true meaning or just naughtiness on the part of linguists, there are efforts to create stories of where we get words. But it also raises the question then, doesn't it? Like if it's been misspelled or misappropriated, at what point does what was the original correct, in inverted commas, version of that word... Cease to be the word. ...become incorrect? Like not just not in the dictionary, but wrong. So like if you spelt ghost, G-O-S-T in Scrabble, it wouldn't count. But that is the etymologically sound version of the word before it got bastardized. Yeah, it reminds me of, you know, that all the words that were originally words beginning with N, and when people said A in front of it, they turned into an, like, for instance, adder, as in the snake, was originally called nadder, and people would say anadder, and Mm. eventually they just started saying nadder. Interesting. And there's some common names as well, some common nicknames. Like, if you've ever wondered why Ned is a nickname for Edward, it comes from people saying mine Edward, back when people used to say mine instead of my. Oh, like our kid. Mine Edward. Yeah, and mine mine Anne, which became Nan and Nancy, which is why those are nicknames for names that they don't sound like. Feel free to call me mine Arian and then Narian <laughs> from here on out, if you wish. <laughs> there's another interesting type of fake word called a nihil article, which translates from Latin and German as nothing article. And these are deliberately phony words that are put into uh, authoritative texts to ward off would-be plagiarists. There's some examples. Yeah, like like the New Columbia Encyclopedia made up an entire entry on a a completely fake woman called Lillian Virginia Mountweasel, brilliant name, which they claimed (laughs) was a woman who was a a fountain designer turned photographer who had a celebrated uh, collection of photographs of rural American mailboxes entitled Flags Up, (laughs) which is a book (laughs) I I would definitely try to get my hands on. And apparently also uh, cartographers used to insert these things called map traps, which were fake streets or fake little cul-de-sacs or whatever that didn't exist, but they were designed to help them identify other rival cartographers who were ripping off their stuff. Yeah, because it makes sense because it's like, how are you going to prove you're like, you stole my interpretation of the shape of France? You know, it's quite hard to press a plagiarism case in map making. That reminds me, my friend Mark sat next to me when I was about 11 and we were doing a test in class. (laughs) And I knew he was copying me because he was looking over his shoulder really (laughs) indiscreetly. And I thought, should I put a wrong answer to see if he copies the wrong answer? And then I'd be able to go, aha. Uh, But then after the test and we were asked to hand in our papers, he'd actually put his name as Ollie. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) I didn't need to produce the bunny from the hat here. (laughs) Did your mark double as a consequence? (laughs) Two Ollies. (laughs) Tomorrow. She's got this wild mass of hair. And she's she's straddling a backwards Mm. chair. Love the show? Support the show. Patreon.com slash Retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network.